Hello, dear friends, and welcome to our Sunday celebration. So our theme this month is we make the path by walking. The premises of it is this, is that we are not a destination. We are not a status. We are a journey. We are a process. And as we move through the year, as we move through our life, as we allow ourselves to be totally engaged in this thing called life, it is forever unfolding. So this weekend, we join with our Jewish brothers and sisters around the world as we celebrate Rosh Hashanah. And Rosh Hashanah is considered in the Jewish calendar, the new year. But what I love about it also is this, is it's also the birthday of the universe. So happy birthday universe. And I think what's uh, important for us during this time of year, and it is such a special time of year, is it's time for us to kind of think and meditate on the past year and all that that is and all that was going on. But I think even before that, to sort of set the stage, we can meditate on two things, many things, but, but these two things. First is, you know, 13 point whatever billion years ago when this universe came on the scene and with all the history and all the violence and all the creation and all the beauty that has come, you and I, our bodies are literally made up of stardust. We are stardust. And all the neurological activity that goes on in our brain and in our nervous system, these charges, this power, this energy was that energy that sourced and started the very creation of all things. So, you know, what Pierre Teilhard de Chardin says is this, is that we are evolution become intentional in this remarkable time. You and I are the activity of evolution, this unfolding, this continual story of an unfinished universe. And in our part, we get to play with intentionality. And so again, then we think about this time of year, you know, in, in Judaism, the tradition is during these high holy days, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, and the Feast of the Tabernacles, is, is to rethink this year and ask ourselves these questions. First, what have I become this year? What have you become this year? How are you different this year? And is there a gap between your highest ideals and your day-to-day -day behavior? And how are you participating in this revolution of the heart? How are you engaged? And how am I engaged? How are we engaged in being good stewards of this planet. And by the way, I think that being a good steward is a whole lot more than posting on Facebook. That doesn't make you an activist. How is your everyday life?
the organizational, the choices that you make, the things that you buy, the things that you don't buy, the foods that you eat, all these things. How are they participating in, in being a good steward? And um, how are we bringing love? How are we bringing love, that living water, to this so thirsty planet? I think another thing for us to think about, and probably one of the most important things about to think about is this, is, you know, what are we speaking into this? Words are, are powerful. Uh, I've heard, I've said before, a quote from Rabbi Abraham Heschel, words create worlds. And something that Jack Fox Williams says is this, he says, words hold incredible power. When used poetically, they can evoke the most primal of passions within us. When used destructively, they can wage war and create conflict. When used imaginatively, they can create fantastic worlds of fantasy. When used pervasively, they can seduce us into empty promises of commercial advertising. When used benevolently, they can facilitate social, economic, and political change. Words can be used to control us, motivate us, and inspire us. And many of us are unaware of their hidden power. So our words, and you know, words are almost like viruses. Once they are spoken, they begin to create. Words create the imagery, or we use them as the imagery on how we perceive and how we imagine and how we create. And you know, I think an interesting thing to do is to listen to the internal dialogue. You know that little voice inside of our head that says there is no little voice that is always commenting about how we could have done it better, faster, more, how we could have done this and how we should have done that. You know that one? We call that the inner critic. And we're all aware of our inner critic. But did you know also that you also have an inner guide? And that's something that I want to talk a lot about this month is our, our inner guide, because our inner guide provides the wisdom, the unconditional love, and the benevolence to lead us to our good. Yes, our good. Our inner, our inner guide is wise and loving and desires our good. And good is such an interesting and powerful word, is it not? You know, in Merriam-Webster's dictionary, it says good is expansive, it's joyful, it's full, it's abundant. But you know what's interesting about the word good is it actually comes from the ancient Sanskrit language. And what it means is good yaha, <laughs> and my Hindu is as bad as my, as my uh, Hebrew, is it means that which we cling to. Our good is the thing that we, we cling to. It's the thing that powers us, inspires us, and nourishes us. And you know, whether we are talking in terms of the Bhagavad Gita or the Bible 
or the Dampramada or, or any of the ancient scriptures or, or even some of the great literature that's out there. It's, um, is these divine beings that, that participate in these great stories and, and mythologies, it's not so much that they are out there dictating, but an interesting way of looking at them is that they are inside processes and our, and our inner guide is that. It's that aspect of divinity that was there at the very beginning of all things that is guiding us. Neville Goddard, who was this remarkable and interesting and mysterious metaphysical teacher in the uh, late 20th century, said this. He says that our imagination is God. So just sit with that idea that, that our imagination is God. It certainly is our way to tap into the, the divine idea of, of all things. And you know, I think it's really interesting to read scriptures from this angle, that they're not gods out there, but they're internal processes within, within us. And there's been a, a, a biblical verse that's from the Gospel of St. John that I have been just chewing on all summer, actually since the, the, the accident that I had in July. And, and I'm probably gonna be sharing it all month, but I wanna give just a little bit of a teaser to it right now is, it's, it's, in, the, it's in the eighth chapter of the Gospel of St. John, and there's a festival, uh, it's actually the Feast of Tabernacles that's going on, and the religious leaders bring a woman who's been caught in the very act of adultery in front of Jesus, and they say, well, you know, the law of Moses says that, that, that we're supposed to condemn her, that you're supposed to condemn her and stone her to death. And you know, there's this whole, you know, who's without sin, cast the first stone and I'll get into that later on this month but there's a really interesting part of it it's by it's the one that I've been sitting with is this is at the end when everybody walks away and there's only this woman and Jesus there Jesus says to her he says madam does no one condemn you and she looks around and she says no sir no rabbi and he says neither do I go and error no more. And I just, I just love this. And uh, it's so impactful. Does no one condemn you? Because I don't know about you, but if I can speak very personally here for a second, what, what, what I have been processing this whole summer is, is I'm really tired of having a God who makes me wrong. Now again, it's not some God out there. It's really this divine idea within myself. It's that inner critic that's always told me, you should have done it better. You could have done it differently. Why did you do it that way? You know, and, and you know, I think new thought has a, a tendency to embrace a God that makes us wrong. Because the situation that I'm in is as a result of my thinking. And if I had just thought something differently, if I had just held this, if I didn't have that thought, then my life would be different. Well, you know, it's, it's way more nuanced than that. And I think that if we begin any kind of creative process with this idea that I could do it wrong, 
or that there's some magic key, or if I could just figure out what the right word to say or the right thing to say would be, my life would be better. We're, we're really kind of no different than, you know, the, the, the religions that we grow out of, uh, you know, uh, forms of, 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 of Christianity or, or Christendom that talks about sin. So how interesting it would be if our higher vision, our higher self, that divine voice within us had the voice of Jesus. Does no one condemn you? All those little voices, all those little activities, all those should, 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 should. No, sir, they've all gone. Well, me, that divine self, your inner guide, I don't condemn you either. Just just try not to make any more mistakes. That's really what it comes down to. And so what I want to offer then in, the, in this month as we're getting ready, as we're getting our map set for this path that we're, uh, we're going to walk, you know, two things I want to talk about. One is, is this, this line that comes from the uh, Arthurian legends and it is said that when all the knights of the round table set out on their quest, Galahad, one of the more noble of the knights, when they were about to embark into us, he said, let not any of us follow a given path, for that would be unshiverous, but let each of us enter into the forest at our own place. And that's us, right? It's let's not try to follow some given path. Let's of course learn from those who have went before us. But at the end of the day, this unique path, this journey that we are on is incredibly personal. And, and we should not give up on that. And, and how that begins for, that, for each of us is to understand that good that thing that we cling to, that we hold on to, what is our good? Because in many ways, our good represents our God. And if there is something that we are longing for, a good that we are seeking, and we tell ourselves a story about how we can't have it, really what we're doing is walking away from God. And so here's a practice, here's a something that I wanna to introduce to you. And again, like I said last week, I wouldn't offer anything to you that I don't practice myself. And I've, I've loved the work of Neville Goddard for years. It's powerful stuff. And as he says, Try it tonight and see if it works or not. Test it. You know, just don't take my word for it. Do it and see. So the essential part of, of Neville's work, and here's our practice for this week, comes down to three things. The first is passion. The second is practice. And the third is imagination. And, and let me talk about them a little bit further. The first is passion. 
you know, you can't just think about your good. You can't think about the thing that you desired. Oh, wouldn't that be nice if that happened? Or, oh, wouldn't that be lovely if that happened? No, what Neville says is that you must become passionate for it. Because I think sometimes a new thought, we fall back on thinking, we fall back on our head. You know, we forget that we are a living being that's not just alive from the neck up, but it's in our whole body. So we must become passionate, we must feel it, it has a charge to us. And, and that's a really interesting practice to engage in. What is the thing that I am passionate about? What is the thing that I desire? And, and, and what's the experience that I'm seeking? So that's the first thing, be real clear about what that is. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna give an example of, of how to work that in just a second. So we become passionate. And then the second thing is the practice itself. And you know, Neville was really clear about this. He used a word, I love this word, called hypnogogia. And what that is, is that's that twilight place between sleep and awake. It's that drowsy place of being. And what's important about this is our logical mind is, is really kind of relaxed and is not as engaged at this point in time. In fact, if you notice, I, you know, I know for myself, years ago I used to work with emotionally disturbed children and evening time was, was a really difficult time for them or people who are depressed. It's a really, you know, that twilight time between waking and sleeping is a very, very challenging time because what's happening is the logical mind is resting and it's no longer suppressing all the emotions and all the feelings and all the stuff that is coming up. And so, you know, what, what happens at this point in time is it's, it's not a good time to sort of work through logical ways of solving problems. Like don't get up at like 5 a.m. before you're engaged or your logical mind is working and try to figure something out. That's not the time. But it's a powerful time, just like our dream state for the imagination. And so, so the practice then is to allow ourselves to induce this drowsy place, this hypnogotic place, this twilight time. For Neville Goddard, he used to like to do it about three in the afternoon after a good lunch, sometimes a glass of wine, and either sit in a comfortable chair or lie down on the sofa. And that was his time to do it, but to move into this dreamy state. And then the third aspect of the practice is this, is, is what he would suggest doing is then we create a mental experience where we're engaged in the thing that we desire. And, and what he's not saying is we're not watching ourselves do this, we're engaged in this. So it's not so much that I've, you know, maybe I want to climb a mountain or, 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 you know, row across a large lake. It's not like I see myself doing that. I engage in doing that. Do you see the difference? Because it's a visceral thing. I'm engaged in the thing that I'm desiring. And here, like I said a few moments ago, is a perfect example. And so there was a woman that came to Neville one time and she said, uh, you know, really what I want to do is I want to be married. And so what he said to her is, and she says, well, how do I do that? You know, how do you, how do you create a mental picture of that? And he was really interesting because he said, here's the deal is this is something that you want. Get yourself in that hypnogotic state and then see yourself experiencing yourself 
twirling a wedding band. Feel it on your finger. Look down and see it on your finger. Just massage that. Be present to the wedding band on your finger. Because what happens then is our subjective mind creates an image that it impresses upon us. And then we begin to organize ourselves consciously to move to that goal. I think Neville Goddard is one of the closest things that bridges the gap or bridges new thought in quantum physics. Because what we do is we create a possibility and then we take that possibility and we move it to a future possibility and and holding that in the imagination and moving that into the subjective we create a bridge from where we are to where we want to be this is quantum physics this is new thought at its best this is a practical practice that any one of us can do and so you know what is your good what is your good? And if you were to create a mental experience of being engaged in that good, perhaps it's, it's listening to the, the congratulations of job well done, or maybe it's shaking hands with people after completing something. Maybe it's you know finishing the last typing on a keyboard. But whatever it is, what is that experience that represents the good that you're seeking? Do that and do it often and try it. You literally have nothing to lose. If, um, if the imagination is our doorway into the divine, it begins by understanding our unique self. So here at this time of new beginnings of Rosh Hashanah, here at the very birthday of the universe itself, as we are engaged and setting off on this great adventure, we are making the path by walking. And our guide is our imagination. And a teacher who gives us a tool of how to navigate is Neville Goddard. And so um, one more thing I'll say about him is this, is that Neville let all his stuff go in the public domain. So if you go on YouTube and type in Neville Goddard or a search engine for just even Neville, you'll find plenty, plenty of material. And I'd love to hear your experiences in this. So let us just breathe into this moment on this holy, holy time that we're in of new beginnings and recognize there is a good for us and it reveals itself in our desires and we say yes to allowing those passions to come forth and we practice we make the path by walking so again thank you for being part of our great celebration I want to talk a little bit, if I may, for about, about the class that uh, was scheduled to begin next week and that we are postponing it. Actually, we're rethinking it. And I want to be real personal about this. I, I really did not appreciate the, the trauma, the power of, of this accident that I've had. You know, there was the, the shutdown that began in March. 
And then there was the accident that I had in July. And, and what I realized is there was a level of melancholia that was just kind of setting in with me. And, and really my, my focus should be on healing. And, and also looking at that and looking how the class was beginning to shape up, what seemed really important was to take a tactical retreat. You know, a tactical retreat is something that comes from the I Ching that says that when you're moving forward and the forces in front of you are great, that the wisest and prudent thing to do is to step back and regroup. And so that's what I'm doing, that's what we're doing. And uh, I, I'm using this time to really look at what's appropriate, how to serve you. If you have ideas and desires and classes that you would like or timeframes of how you'd like to do them, send me an email, let me know, or let our office manager, Michelle, know. And, and I'll listen to that as we're gathering it and, and creating it and doing it for you. And then also, I want to thank you for continuing to support our community. And you know the drill, you know, share, subscribe, all that that is. But then also, you know, your financial contributions are so important. You're allowing us to keep open and growing. And as you're watching it this week, we've had our first soft opening. And, uh, you know, we're going to talk about that and uh, pay attention to the newsletter and the website uh, because probably on Monday or Tuesday, we'll let you know if we're going to be doing a live service the following week. If you were at the, at the I'm speaking into the future, if you were at the, the live service, you'll know then. So, again, for those whom you love and those whom you receive love from, from the bottom of my heart, dear friends, I wish you many, many, many blessings.